Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is David Clausen. He's the Family Research Council's Director for the Center for Biblical Worldview. And David, really appreciate you coming on. I know you've been on before. We were just talking about every time you come on, the world just seems to get more and more crazy. Yeah, there's not a shortage of things to talk about, Deacon, but always a joy to be on the program. Thank you again for having me. I wish more people had a biblical worldview, but I think, according, you know, you just wrote this article, Almost Sin. It's absolutely wrong, right? President Biden's morally charged language on transgenderism falls short. But, you know, I think what it, it almost makes it worse if that's possible when people try to push this transgender ideology, this crazy agenda, when somehow they try to equate it to scripture, Jesus, and it, it just makes a bad situation worse and just gives even a worse taste in my mouth. Well, and I think that's appropriate moral reaction, Deacon, because, again, what the president did, and at this point, maybe a week and a half ago in his, the interview that he gave, where he was talking about these issues, talking about gender ideology and marriage and, and transgenderism. And the president went out of his way to give his own two cents on a, a bill that's proceeding uh, in Florida. Uh, and these kinds of bills are actually uh, being looked at all over the country in different uh, legislatures. But the one in Florida that he specifically called out is simply a bill that, if passed, would prohibit cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and irreversible physical surgeries on minor children. Uh, so again, a completely common sense law that needs to be passed in uh, every single state in this country. But it was interesting in voicing his opposition, the president went out of his way to really, you could see in the interview, he's like almost grasping to try to find this morally moral high ground to, to, to use theological language. Now he called what he, what he did say is he said, it's, you know, these attempts are almost sinful. Now, as Christians, we would have to recognize that, that category of almost sinful is not a biblical category. Uh, there are, you know, there are actions that are sinful, and then there are actions that are not sinful. There's not, there's not like a gradation between sinful and, but putting that aside, it is remarkable though, that in his effort to kind of attach uh, theological language to something, he actually is quoting or trying to use theological language antithetical to what us as Christians would understand as the Bible's understanding on marriage and sexuality and transgenderism. It's kind of like almost being pregnant. I'm not sure how that works either. But, you know, the, re- the reminder is people like to profess their Christianity. And look, we have Christian ministers uh, blessing abortion clinics, right? So we need to be able to believe our eyes, right? If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. If somebody says, I'm a faithful Christian yet does what Biden does, what does what, what a lot of these politicians do, then we, we know that they they are anti-Christian in terms of how they're living their lives and the and what they're professing. And what's worse is it leads more people astray potentially for those who don't have a strong faith and understand. So not only are they speaking with a forked tongue, but they're leading more people astray, which again, it just exasperates the problem. Well, I agree with you, Deacon. I think that's a significant point for when we talk about all these issues that we're seeing, there is massive moral confusion. And that that confusion you specifically see amongst the younger generation. So Gallup 
uh, Gallup that does surveys all over the country, they just did a survey on the LGBT issue. And what they showed is that 19.7% of Gen Z, that's those born between 1997 and 2004, almost 20% identified as somewhere on the spectrum of LGBTQ+. Uh, that's massive moral confusion. And I think part of what's fueling that is obviously a culture that has just become very secular, very untethered from any kind of biblical foundation. But there's there's an apathy and there's a fear in pulpits around the country. I think as I've traveled around and and spoken to a lot of pastors, you know, I think a lot of these pastors are very well-meaning, they have the right desires, but they don't want to be perceived as being too political. And I think that's where Deacon, I think it's important for us to to have these conversations and realize that there are some issues uh, that good-meaning Christians can agree to disagree on. But then there are other issues, such as the issues you and I have just been talking about, related to marriage and sexuality, uh, most obviously the life issue, where there's a thus saith the Lord, my goodness, on the issue of life. We have Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. We have Luke 1, verse 39 through 45. But we don't have to guess what God's perspective on these issues. We don't have to guess because he's told us. And again, for pastors not to preach the whole counsel of God's word, I think it is a contributing factor uh, to the confusion uh, that we're seeing really everywhere. And to that point, I, I've, I've talked to a large faith community and their hierarchy who didn't want to get involved in some of these tough moral issues and speak out in a, in a public manner. And they said, well, it was too polit- they're, they're all too political. And then I asked them the question, where do you draw the line from moral to political? And they can't answer the question, right? It's a good cop out to say it's too political. But in the end, right, we will all be held accountable for what we did or didn't do. And if we try to get nuanced with the language to kind of make ourselves feel better, uh, all we're doing is, is separating ourselves further and further from the Lord. Well, no, I agree with you, Deacon. And I think that's what's, again, what you just said is you're right. All of us will give an account before the Lord. And I think uh, that should sober all of us, uh, that one day we'll have to, even as believers, uh, we know we're ultimately reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ. But we do know that even as Christians, we're going to have to give an account for how we lived our lives. And again, there are some issues, you know, you and I could have a probably a vigorous d- debate on maybe some things related to immigration or or what should the capital gains tax rate be? You know, again, wise, cr- respectable Christian people could have uh, vigorous debates on that and disagree on their ultimate, you know, policy implications. But again, there are issues, uh, basic, fundamental issues, such as the, the human life, you know, is an unborn child, is this a, is a human that deserves full respect, uh, things related to marriage and sexuality. Um, again, we're, we're talking about things that are very, very basic, that it just seems in a very short amount of time, the velocity of the moral revolution is really captured. Uh, it's captured so many institutions and it's increasingly capturing the next generation. And I think that's where as Christians, uh, we just need to, whether it's discipling our own children in our homes or using whatever sphere of influence the Lord has given us, uh, we, we do it with respect. Ephesians 4.15, we speak the truth in love, but we have to speak the truth about these issues. Because again, God has a, a very clear perspective on many of these issues. Well, and Jesus tells us, right, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we water down the truth, when we deny the truth, then we're watering down Christ or we're denying Christ totally. So, I mean, we can spin it any way we want, but Christ was clear. And when we 
go against what he has to say, again, it, it is to our own detriment. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, it's to the detriment of others, but really everyone has an obligation to grow in their relationship with Christ so that these you know wolves in sheep's clothing don't lead us astray. Wait, we have an obligation to grow in our faith and to read scripture and to understand who Christ was and what he taught. We can't just say somebody told me this and I went astray, right? We have an individual responsibility, don't we? No, we do have an absolute uh, individual responsibility. Again, the Bible speaks to to so many things, whether it's the social issues that you and I have talked about on this show before, or just how how is one made right with God? Again, I believe every individual person will appear before the judgment seat, and the verse you just quoted is actually the verse uh, that John or that uh, Billy Graham asked to be on his tombstone, uh, John fourteen six, where Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me." And again, I think yeah, there there is a, a responsibility for every single Christian to take ownership of their faith. One of the things my dad used to pray for me when I was growing up, he'd pray that I'd have the courage of my convictions. And I think that, that there's a, within the Christian faith, we, you know, we enter one by one. And uh, I think it's important to take ownership of the things that the Bible teaches, uh, the, the convictions that we hold. And because Deacon, if we don't do these things that you and I are talking about, we're just going to continue to see more of the same. And I, someone listening to the conversation you and I are having 10 years ago, they would have no idea what we were talking about related to things such as gender and marriage, things that seem to be completely non-controversial, uh, things that were taken for granted and we can no longer do so. And that's, again, a testimony to the fact that we live in a post-Christian world where increasingly the convictions you and I hold on basic issues is not just going to be seen as outdated. Increasingly, it'll be seen as subversive and dangerous. And Jesus himself promised that persecution's coming, John 15, John 16. So we should expect it. And I think as, as we, we, we lean into that, and uh, our goal should be faithfulness. He reminds us, right, as you just said, right, know that if the world hates you, it hated me first. And so we can't say that we weren't warned. But I think, you know, we, we even have a lot of people in this culture who think the devil's not real, right? There is, there is no hell. But all you have to do is go and look around and see people doing the works of the evil one, because this gender ideology, this LGBTQ things, right? All this does is lead people further astray. It leads them into great depression because they're denying truth and we can never find happiness outside the truth. You're right. No, I think that's a, a very important point. And I think when we talk about the things uh, that the Bible talks about, ultimately we're talking about the things that make for real human flourishing. You know, God has a wonderful plan for everybody. That is true. Uh, but it has to be lived according to his will. And, you know, some people think that things like uh, Christian sexual ethics, for example, are so oppressive or, or regressive. Well, actually, those are the moral guardrails. Uh, that actually, if followed, lead to the flourishing and happiness uh, that the Lord intended for his people. And so I think it's so important to go back to these core convictions, these core truths, and really to just remind ourselves, uh, Deacon, these are things as Christians that we believe. And we need to be reminding ourselves of these. Our pastors and our priests need to be talking about these things, because if they're not— well, the world's going to be catechizing and discipling us into a worldview that is ultimately very different than the one we find out in the Bible. Well, and really, when they when they don't want to preach on these things because they're afraid of hurting people's feelings, really, what they're trying to pass along this false compassion. When 
people really do need to hear the truth. And, and as you mentioned, right, the mm. teaching of our Lord, the Ten Commandments, you can view them in two ways. You can view them as restrictive and, you know, strangling or the freedom that they really bring us because when we live the truth and live these commandments, our lives are full of that joy, that peace, that love, right? The, the first three fruits of the spirit that we read in scripture. And if we mm. want those, we need to make sure that we view those as, right, we're pa- look at a parent, right? A parent has rules to protect the ch- children from danger. The kids could do whatever, if they do whatever they want, it might lead to a catastrophic outcome. And the Lord's the same way. Look, these will lead you into freedom because I love you, not I'm trying to make your life miserable and restrict you and make you the unhappiest, unhappiest person on the world. That's absolutely right. And I think, you know, again, I work here in Washington, D.C. for the Family Research Council. So the issues that I'm dealing with, uh, you know, literally on a daily basis, uh, issues very contentious. But, you know, one of the verses I always try to point people back to is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, where Paul writes, he's writing to a younger pastor, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, that the man of God may be trained in all righteousness. And so that I, that's going back to the source. All scripture is breathed out by God. That's, you know, that's a remarkable statement. And when we hold the Bible in our hands, we're actually holding something that contains the very words of God. And again, God wasn't obligated to give us his word, but he did. And what a tremendous blessing uh, that if we read this book, if we understand it, we study it, we pray through it, we're getting words of life. We're getting true. This is how life was meant to be lived. And so, you know, again, this might sound theological and philosophical, but I think we're getting at the very questions that actually a lot of people are asking. A lot of people, this really came out in COVID, you know, are really searching for ultimate truth. They're searching for ultimate meaning. Uh, their younger generations are feeling depressed at alarming rates. But the things we're talking about, these principles that are laid out in God's Word, are ultimately, again, what lead to true, uh, true thriving, true flourishing, living life the way God uh, meant it, for it to be lived. Again, he's, he's as clear as you can be. So you can try to finagle and take a line out of Scripture and misinterpret it and make yourself yeah. feel. But to follow you know, the political and cultural climate that continues to push the denial of reality is, yes. you know, really doesn't make any sense. And, you know, you have a new book out, right? Uh, you co-authored yeah. a book called Male and Female, He Created Them. Uh, maybe yes. we can talk a little bit about that, because in the end, we need to know the truth and, and books like this and remind us that we have a solid foundation and the people that have to demonize us because they don't have a good argument ought to be a red flag right there that how wrong they are because they have no facts to back them up. No, you're right, Deacon. And I appreciate you mentioning the book. And that actually came, uh, my co-authors and I, so I work at Family Research Council. The other gentlemen work at the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And they travel around the country and talk to pastors and youth pastors. And they were hearing the same thing I was, is that specifically on these really contested issues related to gender, you know, whether that's homosexuality or transgenderism or intersex conditions, uh, these are the issues that, you know, where a generation ago, you know, students were asking questions on the exclusivity of the gospel or is Jesus really God or, you know, more theologically based questions. Today, they're coming to their youth pastor saying, I might be. 
I feel like I'm a boy, but I'm trapped in a girl's body. You know, what, what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? How do you minister in a, in a climate where this, these things are happening? And so, again, we just in the book tried, and it's actually not just a book that you'd read cover to cover. It's actually kind of a workbook. Uh, it includes questions, which we provide the answers. There's a video uh, supplement that goes with it that has leading scholars like Albert Moeller, Rosaria Butterfield. And the whole purpose of this is just try to help Christians uh, think a little bit more deeply about the Bible's actual teaching on homosexuality. We have a lesson on how do we interpret the passages that the Bible has that deal with homosexuality. So Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Timothy 1, 10. Uh, what about the transgender issue? What about the intersex issue? And so, again, our hope is to provide a resource that Christian parents, small group leaders, you know, maybe uh, people doing a Bible study in your local parish, uh, maybe they could do this together, and it would be a way to have these conversations, uh, the guided conversations. A lot of people feel uncomfortable talking about these things, but kind of this book is our attempt to kind of hold your hand through the conversations that are raging around us, um, all, but coming at it through a biblical worldview. I think people are uncomfortable when they don't feel armed with the facts, and I think you know your book. There's you know when Harry became Sally, there are books out there. That can help yes. educate you so that you feel comfortable in this argument. Because here's the deal. We have truth. We have logic. We have science. We have God. We have everything on our side. So there really is nothing to be afraid about. And what we're seeing now, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've, you've probably heard of uh, the woman, the girl, Chloe Cole, who is now suing some of the, you know, the doctors that, you know, cut off perfectly healthy organs because she thought she was a boy. And so we're seeing more and more people wanting to detransition because they realize they tried to, and no one has told them the truth. You're right. Well, the Chloe Cole example, I actually was was on a panel with her uh, last week. So just this time last week, um, I was on a panel with her talking about this issue. She shared her story, and I kind of shared the intellectual history behind gender ideology. You know, which is essentially it's just Gnosticism repackaged in ancient Gnosticism, the idea that the immaterial spirit is the true you and the body is uh, really not that great. It's something to be thrown off and our body can't tell us anything true about ourselves. So, you know, if our mind tells us one thing, then we go with the mind rather than our body informing our minds. So I kind of walk through that intellectual history. But I think what you, you meant, Chloe's story is so powerful uh, because she was lied to. She was lied to by everyone in her life. Uh, she was lied to by social media. She was lied to uh, by things she was seeing on TV and learning about in the media. And she, you know, it ultimately led her to, I think she was either 15 or 16, to get a double mastectomy. And now she deeply regrets it. Uh, but again, she was swimming in a, a stream of culture where the only message she was hearing was, well, hey, if you feel like you're a boy, you must really be a boy. And I think that's where, as Christians, our hearts need to break when we hear a story like that. And again, we need to, Ephesians 4.15, we speak the truth in love, so we're gracious, we're kind, we're loving, uh, but we need to double down and be firm on what God's truth is on these issues. And again, that's, again, I, I, my prayer is that's what we did in the book. You, again, anyone can find it. I think it's like 10 bucks right now on Amazon at hecreatedthem.org, uh, but we can just trying to uh, guide people through thinking about these in a convictional and winsome way. Probably three or three plus years ago, I interviewed Walt Heyer, who was one of the first people to tra transition. And I remember it, it still sticks with me today. He said, I wish somebody would have told me the truth. I don't know that I would have believed them, 
but I wish somebody would have at least told me so I would have had an opportunity to believe them. And that's powerful. And it's funny, uh, Deacon, he should have been in our panel because Walt was the other person on the panel, actually. So I got to meet him in person and he shared his story, too. And you're, yeah. you're remembering what he said absolutely correctly. And it's interesting because he's now 82 years old. Chloe Cole is 18 years old. And they both basically said the same thing. Now, they, they say it in different ways and there's coming at it from a different generational perspective. But you're right. Their main message is. I wish someone had told me. Uh, and I think, think about, I think that that should, you know, put something in the spirit of every Christian that, you know, these issues that you and I are talking about, yes, they are controversial. No one really enjoys having a conversation about transgenderism or homosexuality, but it is so interesting, especially in the detransition movement. So many of these folks are telling us we wish that we would have been t- talked to. We wish we would have been invited into these conversations. So again, I just think every Christian needs to just be faithful. You know, God doesn't call each and every one of us to change the world, but he does call us to be faithful. And for each of us, that'll look different in our own context, and our own sphere of influence. But on these issues, our culture is desperately looking for answers. And as believers, we have the truth. So let's have the courage to share that with them. And true love is sharing the truth, right? God, Jesus tells us he's the truth. God is love. So we truth equals love. And so to love somebody is to will their good, not to do something to make yourself feel better or to take yourself out of an uncomfortable situation. It's about sharing with them the truth in love, as you mentioned before, so that they can at least have heard it. We can't make people decide whatever they're going to decide, but we can arm them with facts and truth and the love of Jesus and then pray that through the Holy Spirit, they come to a realization of how much they are loved, and they were created perfect the way they are. God doesn't make mistakes. No, God doesn't make mistakes. And I think when that's as, as Christians who under have a biblical worldview, we, we look at the world through that lens of the meta-narrative of Scripture, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. And no, so yes, we live in a, a broken world. We live in a fallen Genesis 3 world. Um, but God is still at work, and I think we, we still have uh, His Word that teaches us basic truths about ourselves, about God, about reality. And so I think as Christians, I think, again, our uh, quoted the verse a second ago, Deacon, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scriptures breathed out by God. That's our source. That's where we need to return again and again. Uh, whatever the issue is, it'll be another issue in a couple months from now. But again, on so many of these issues, God has a side. And as Christians, let's make sure we're on his side. I think that's what's so good about your book and and others that are trying to share the truth. And I think people need to remember that this whole movement was based on a lie, right? Dr. Money out of Johns Hopkins did this terrible experiment, Mm -hmm. wins from Canada. They both eventually throughout their life, they both eventually, you know, end up dying early, committing suicide, all because he wanted to make this statement that, you know, you can just change whatever. And it was a total train wreck for this family. And that's what everything's built upon. It's built upon this house of cards. You know, you're right. The history of the, the movement, we actually do talk about John Money in the book. The history is, is something that's fascinating. It's something that none of the, you know, modern day activists want you to know about. And honestly, probably many of them themselves don't even know about. Uh, but it is built on a house of cards. And, you know, there's... <laughs> It seemed, you know, anyone in a previous generation would listen to this conversation like, what are they talking about? Something as basic as our sex, uh, whether we're male or female. 
But again, that's that's where we are. And when you you have a culture where truth become, is up for debate, when you live in a moral relativistic universe where you you have you know things like your truth and my truth, well then things such as the basic DNA and biology and anthropology, well, all of a sudden that is up for debate as well. It's up for grabs, so to speak. But again, you're right. Uh, whether it's theology, philosophy, biology, um, that is all on our side. And I think that should give us confidence. And I think a lot of Christians who think about these issues, there's uh, there's some timidity, there's some fear, uh, but we actually do have the truth on our side. And I think you know we need to take stands. It was Billy Graham. I think I quoted him earlier in this interview, uh, but he said, you know, when one man takes a stand, the, the spines of others are stiffened. And I think that the time is now uh, to take a stand on whether it's the life issue and especially these gender issues uh, because they're not going away. And uh, we need to stand up for the next generation. So even when we started our conversation, I was talking about the legislation in Florida. We need to protect kids. We need to protect minors from these things uh, that some of these radical leftists are trying to do. It's incumbent whether you're a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, whatever you are, to educate yourself about the truth and protect your children, right? Be able to have conversations at their level, but be able to talk to them, protect them. They don't need to have this. They don't need a window to the world on social media. Uh, It it really is incumbent upon us and reminder that, look, kids are gifts. And in the end, the Lord's going to say, what did you do with that gift of a child I gave you? And, you know, I let them do whatever they want because I wanted them to be happy. Ain't going to be a good answer. (laughs) <laughs> no, that won't be a good answer. No, I think we're called as Christians to steward everything the Lord gives us, and there's no greater blessing than a child. And so the responsibility, and, and the Bible talks about that, Deuteronomy 6, you know, the, the idea that parents are to teach their children in the way that they should go. Um, you know, there's scripture that all over the place that talks about the importance of discipleship in the context of the family. So you're right, that's one of the greatest responsibilities and stewardship opportunities that any parent will have. And as Christians, that means pointing them to the Lord every single chance they get. So maybe you can remind people, Family Research Council, the website, how they can follow what you're doing. Yeah, so the Center for Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council, you can find us at frc.org forward slash worldview. We have a lot of free resources on the life issue, religious liberty, sexuality. So again, that's frc.org forward slash worldview. And then the site for the new book is hecreatedthem.org. You can just go to hecreatedthem.org. You can see some free videos, read the endorsements, and then follow the links to actually get the book, um, which we pray you'll do, uh, whether it's for your family, your small group, your church, uh, hecreatedthem.org. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.